Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Good morning to you. So, Pierce, the lifting of the eviction ban. Now, the timeline of events, this is going to be discussed in detail today, or has the decision already been reached, please? Well, what, what we understand is that the three party leaders, so uh, Eamon Ryan, Michael Martin, and uh, Leo Bradker, came together uh, last night and they've decided uh, that this is the proposal that they're bringing to Cabinet. So they're ending the eviction ban. Uh, they're doing that at a time when they know that the number of uh, families and individuals in homeless emergency accommodation has never been higher in the history of the state. They're doing that with their eyes wide open, knowing that there's uh, no accommodation or very little accommodation for these people who will be evicted now to go into. And they're doing it in the middle of a cost of living crisis. And to tell you the truth, Alan, if you ever wanted a, an example of a government that was so out of touch and that was so aloof, um, to to the to the pain and suffering of, of of those who are renting and who are now going to be made um, who are going to be left without homes is 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 absolutely I think it's a nightmare scenario for them. Now look, an eviction ban, Alan, is is an emergency measure. It's not something you should be doing um, lightly. Uh, and an eviction ban only works actually if you do something in between to deliver the type of uh, capacity, the number of homes that we need to actually yeah. allow people to move into to, um, to, 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 to accommodation. So the first eviction ban that was introduced here was uh, during COVID uh, when Owen Murphy was minister. And ho- homelessness actually dropped by 60% during that period. Why? Because there was actually places for people to actually be released away out of emergency accommodation and into um, into homes. Mm. That doesn't exist now because there's not enough homes being built. And we've been saying to the government that they need to, in the middle of an emergency, and this is an emergency, they're not treating it as such, but it is an emergency, that what they need to do is use all the emergency powers. They have emergency powers in terms of planning, in terms of procurement. During COVID, you would have seen it in Wexford, as we've seen it in Donegal, where, you know, vaccination centres were put up. No planning permission required. Uh, Contracts were signed. No procurement required. You didn't have to go through all the red tape, as many of your listeners know, in terms of, you know, planning and we'll talk about the hospital later on and then tendering and all that all of that was cut through because those powers exist in the middle of an emergency and what we've been trying to tell the government for the last number of years is that this is an emergency and they need to use those powers to actually deliver uh, fast-tracked housing the most important question of all, and I'll put it to government representatives tomorrow when this becomes clearer because we'll invite them on because we'll have a clearer picture from the government tomorrow as the day unfolds. But by your understanding, what is likely to happen if you are currently in a home where you have been availing of this eviction ban support? What is likely to happen to you at the end of this? Are you going to be turfed out onto the street? It all depends on when you are giving your notice to quit and what type of tenant you are. So there's not a simple answer. Tenants have rights, um, and those rights are available either through Threshold, who's an organisation who advocates on behalf of tenants, but also anybody can go onto the internet and look up citizens' information. But So depending on the length of your tenancy, you have to be given a certain time of notice. So it, it increases the longer you're there as a tenant, the longer the notice you have. But for all intents and purposes, let's say that somebody was given a notice of to quit in October of last year and that they were entitled to uh, a six-month's notice to quit because of how long they were in the house. What happened was the, when the eviction ban came in place was that that actually put a stop on the evictions, but the clock kept on ticking. So basically on the 1st of April now and in the next number of weeks, that person, that family, 
is their six months is up, so they have to leave the house on the first of April in that situation. Um, if you if the six months isn't up, uh, say it's it say it goes on to say they didn't get the notice till till December, then it might be uh, May that they'll have to be evicted. But we have now hundreds of hundreds of families uh, that their eviction will take effect in the month of April, right. if not thousands. Uh, and that is the problem. There's no. And where do they go, Pierce? What what provision is there for them? If you say hundreds of hundreds of families, and we only recently on this particular show spoke to a lady, an elderly lady, worked all her life, paid her taxes, and was looking for some accommodation for nearly a year and couldn't find any. So she's going to be caught up in this as well. So where do those hundreds of families you're talking about go at the end of this? Have the government well, made a provision for this? This is the question I'm asking. No, what the government are basically saying is that they have to go to the local authorities and register as homeless. Uh, if they can't find suitable accommodation. Uh, and we know, look, just like that lady, like I live in West Donegal in a rural community. I never in my life in 20 years of elected politics ever thought that I would be dealing with families who were homeless living in my community. Like we're a rural area, but that is now the reality of all parts of our, of our, of our state. It's not unique now to the pressure points of Dublin or Cork. It is everywhere. Um, so like the reason the eviction ban was introduced in December of last year was because there was no emergency accommodation for them to go in. There was no hotel rooms or, you know, uh, where, where families are being kept up. And we, we know all of the pressures in terms of the war in Ukraine and so on. Yeah. Uh, so the, that's why the ban was introduced, because there was nowhere for them to go. Right. It has gotten worse. Since the ban was introduced, the level of family homelessness has actually increased. Homelessness has gone up, even though people haven't been evicted because marriages are breaking down and other reasons and so on and so forth. So it is it is getting worse. The valve has, the you know, the, the, the dam has bust here. So what the government have basically done, in my view, for renters out there is they have thrown in the towel. They have abandoned them. They have listened to the voices of, of very powerful lobbyists, particularly like the biggest landlords in the state aren't somebody who was left a home and has got a has got a tenant in them. Some of these accidental landlords. The biggest landlords in the state are institutional investors who own thousands of homes and charge the highest rents in the state. They're the vulture funds who come here at the time okay. of crisis and preyed on, right. on, on, on 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 society here and but, you yeah, know, and have a very sweetheart deals from this government. The poll is very interesting. Uh, it's fifty fifty at the moment, and the question we're asking our listeners is: Do you agree with the eviction ban be lifted? And fifty percent have texted in so far have said yes and 50% have said no. Now it's very early so the poll has just started. You can text or WhatsApp us on 0873737956 Does that surprise you that it's 50-50? Oh, look, I'm, we'll, once we'll start to see the real stories and the human stories of families and neighbours who have nowhere to go, I think the Irish people have a huge empathy. I think people understand the plight of homelessness. Um, and it's not just homelessness, there will be other issues as well. If you're moving out of work to accommodation today, and have to, and if you're the lucky one, if you get the golden ticket and find another rental accommodation to move into, the rent that you're paying, the existing rents compared to new rents are astronomically different. So this will put further pressure on families. And there are other issues, and they're genuine issues in relation to the, the eviction ban. As I said, it's an emergency measure, shouldn't mm-hmm. be taken lightly. Uh, and we, for, for example, brought forward an amendment at the time when this was going through, where uh, a family themselves uh, who could be at risk of homelessness, who didn't have any other property, 
right. should be allowed to move back into the property. And this is your solution. So you, your solution. We put to, that forward last yeah. December to the government. Now you've been hearing the overact. You're talking about that for the last number of months. So, but they actually voted against that. Like we put yeah. forward that proposal that okay. in those unique circumstances. But you know, like that isn't. You know, what we have here is an absolute crisis. It is a crisis of government making. It is a crisis of the fact that there is not enough uh, homes being built in this state. We have pointed out this out year after year. We have unfortunately said things are going to get worse. We're not merchants of doom and gloom because we know that this can be solved. Just the way that this crisis was created by government policies, it can be resolved by government policies okay. with the right political will. So let's take a COVID-like response. Let's muster everything that we have. Let's use all the emergency powers that we have and let's get the houses built so that renters have a place to move into, so that young people have an option instead of moving off to Australia, that they can build and, and buy affordable houses in their own area and, and that home ownership is something that young people can again uh, aspire to. Okay, time has caught up with me, so I won't have to get a, ch- a chance to go in to other issues with you today, apart from I'd like a Sinn Féin perspective on what's happening at Wexford General Hospital, because of course your own representative here has been on well and hasn't been able to speak to me, so on behalf of Sinn Féin and what has happened at Wexford General Hospital, I have paramedic and councillor Jerkarty joining me in a little while. What is your view on the importance of protecting our A&E services, getting them back to full power, no dilution of our A&E services by the way, and the implementation of the 96-bed units. What is the Sinn Féin perspective? We're, we're crying out for this. Kilkenny got theirs. They went in roughly around the same time as us. They have their development. We haven't had ours. Uh, what's your view on this, please? Yeah, well, uh, well. first of all, I want to wish Johnny as well, because having a chance on local radio to wish him a, a speedy recovery. And I think, you know, what happened last week for, for all People who are sick or patients at the hospital was must be absolutely terrifying. And the, the, the key thing for us is that, you know, and it can't be overstated enough, is that the response in relation to all of those staff, the health professionals, everybody working in the hospital, the critical ma- uh, incident team, our emergency response, uh, the fire uh, 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 deployment, the, those in the fire personnel, they have ensured but through their collective response that we've been able to get parts of that hospital back up running in in a speedy way and I think that is just absolutely nothing short of amazing the fact that they were able to take so many people out to safety now let's be clear there is going to be pressure uh, in that region there's going to be pressure now in Wexford for quite a considerable time we have a briefing uh, today uh, which will get more information what we want is we want to know very clearly when the other um other services will be back up and running in, right. in, in Wexford and what, what are the arrangements there. In terms of the 96 beds, I raised this with the uh, la- last week in leader's questions. Uh, we're very clear that this has to be an opportunity to fast track the delivery. Uh, you know, people have been waiting for far too long for the capacity. The capacity isn't just a, a benefit to Wexford, but it's actually a benefit to all of the region because it actually takes some of the pressure off other parts. So, you know, we have a commitment to uh, the minister, the, the, the Honisha responded to me yesterday or last week, sorry, uh, saying that you know that this is something that he wants to see done again. We have all these powers that you know we need to cut through the red tape. We need to cut through right. some of the bu- bureaucracy here, uh, and we need to start getting things built. Uh, and right. you know, crucially, uh, the uh, and that was raised by the chair of Wexford General Hospital yesterday. You can cut through the red t- tape, uh, Wexford County Council, I should say. You can cut through the red tape. You can fast track this. That has to be done. Uh, are Sinn Fein going to put their shoulders to the wheel to support this? 
we have said, we have put it very clearly, not just assured, that we've, we've told the government that this is what needs to be done. We need to get, the government needs to get it act, act together. It needs to deliver in relation to this. The fact that this has been going on for far, to, for the last eight years, is just simply not acceptable. This capacity should have been built already, uh, and it shouldn't take, in anybody's you know eyes, it shouldn't take like eight years to build, uh, you know, what is a building like at the end of the day? Like it's, you know, it's complex, yes, and all the rest, but like it shouldn't take eight years years to do something that has been done many times over. And there are examples of where uh, 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 Park Limerick, for example, is an example where things can be done far more rapidly. So we're saying to government that the emergency and particularly the response of the people of Wexford and particularly those who are at the front edge of this year now needs to be matched by a response from government, cut through the red tape, deliver the type of services there and make sure that from the ashes that, that the hospital is in a better position. In terms of uh, any type of downgrading of A&E, that will not happen in, as long as we uh, can ensure it, it, it can happen. What we need is we need stronger, we need better, we need bigger hospitals to deliver in terms of capacity. Alan, just as I said about the housing crisis, the reason we have a health crisis is because we don't build the capacity in our hospitals. The reason people are lying on trolleys day in, day out is because we don't have enough beds. I'm not trying to simplify it too much, but just like housing, build houses. Just like health, what we need to do is build the capacity in our hospitals. I have to leave it there, Piers. Uh, thank you for taking our call this morning. That was uh, Sinn Féin Deputy uh, and Spokesperson on Finance, Piers Doherty. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Alan Corcoran.